You are listening to the Tom Elif Podcast. Tom Elif pastored for 42 years and was also the president of the International Mission Board and the Southern Baptist Convention. He is the founder of Living Word Publications. Now, here is Tom Elif. Is not some deep, probing message that's going to get down inside your heart and dredge up issues which you need to resolve. You will notice that right off the bat when I tell you the title of the message. The title of the message this evening is Singing. Singing. S-I-N-G-I-N apostrophe. Singing. Now, if you want to put a G on there, you can go ahead and put a G on Singing if you want to, but just singing. That's what I'm preaching about tonight is singing. And I'd like for you to open your Bible with me and look with me at the 15th chapter of the book of Exodus. Now, we're not going to read the uh, entire chapter, but I want to read a major portion of this chapter to us this evening. Now, this is called the Song of Moses. By the way, it is not the only Song of Moses. In the end of his life, God told Moses to warn the children of Israel that they were going to come into the promised land and they need to beware lest they forget the Lord. And so before he died, he put that to a song as well. And that's another song of Moses. But this is the song of Moses referred to, by the way, in the 15th chapter of the book of Revelation. It says, and those who came through the tribulation, it says they sang the song of Moses and of the Lamb. And so wouldn't it, can you imagine being the person who wrote the lyrics for a song that would be sung in heaven one day? One of the only songs, I mean, basically, that you read about another person writing or singing on this earth. The song of Moses is going to be sung in heaven. And it's an incredible psalm. Of course, uh, it is the song that was composed after the children of Israel were delivered uh, by the Red Sea experience. They came across on dry land. Then the water, as you know, closed up across the Egyptian army. So look with me, if you will, please, and stand. Uh, let me just read these verses together. And Moses obviously had a pretty good singing voice, okay? It says, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spoke, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song and has become my salvation. He's my God. I will prepare him an habitation, my father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host as he cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of your excellency have you overthrown those who rose up against you. You sent forth your wrath, which consumed them as stubble. And with the blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright as a heap. The depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I'll pursue, I'll overtake, I'll divide the spoil. My lust will be satisfied upon them. I'll draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You did blow with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank as lead in the mighty waters. Who's like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness? fearful in praises, doing wonders. You stretched out your right hand, and the earth swallowed them. 
You in your mercy have led forth your people, which you have redeemed. You have guided them in your strength into your holy habitation. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold in the inhabitants of Palestina. Then the dukes of Edom shall be amazed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, shall take hold upon them. All the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. Fear and dread shall fall upon them. By the greatness of your arm, they shall be as still as a stone. Till the people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over which you have purchased. You shall bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance. In the place, O Lord, which you have made for you to dwell in. In the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. For the horse of Pharaoh went in with his chariots and with his horsemen into the sea, and the Lord brought again the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. And Marion, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, asked everyone to turn to page 123 in the hymn book and to stand quietly with those on the front singing loudly and those in the back only mumbling until they sang that. No, it doesn't say that. And Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them saying, Sing ye to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has he thrown into the sea. Wow, man, what a song. And so I'm going to preach tonight on singing. Father, I pray that you will open our hearts to some truths which you have contained for us here in your word. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. Be seated, if you will, please. I want to speak about three things. First of all, a fact. Secondly, the focus. And finally, the fervency. The fact, the focus, and the fervency. All right, first of all, the fact. This is a fact. Saved people love to sing. Now, they might not always love the same kind of music. I was on a fishing trip earlier, uh, well, last week, I guess it was, and I, I caught the first fish, I caught the most fish, and I caught the biggest fish, and uh, Dub Ross and Vernon Kelly were sort of pooch mouth about it, and Steve Harris were a little bit upset about it. And so on the, on the way back, I put on some good, good music, you know, with some uh, Brooklyn Tabernacle stuff, and Dub said something to the effect that, that saved people didn't listen to music like that, that they listened to gospel quartets. And so I began to fumble around looking for something that would prove that I was saved, but my, <laughs> but my wife didn't have anything like that in her suburban. Uh, I have nothing but gospel music in my you know, gospel quartet music in my car, but she had that. So I'm wondering about Jeannie's salvation. Now, the, the truth is this. We don't all like the same kind of music, but I want to tell you something. If you're really saved, you'll love to sing. I just believe that. If, you're, if you are really saved, you will love to sing. I, I look out at a congregation sometime, and I see people who are just not with it. I mean, they aren't. And sometimes, really, the farther away you get, the, the, hard, the, more, the less you are with it sometimes. And that's not, you know, that mean, that's not anything off on those of you who are sitting on the back row right now because sometimes, you know, you can't sit on the front because everybody can't sit on the front seat. But sometimes it gets, it's hard to hear. And so the choir is farther away and the minister of music is farther away. And so, you know, if you filter around the congregation, you hear all this music up here and the orchestra's playing and everything's great. You go back out there and you'll find on this pew or that pew, sometimes right down here in front, people just sort of mumbling along and not really caring, and their heart's not really in it, or they're just singing words that they've sung a thousand times before, and their mind's not really thinking about it. 
And see, there are people who can sit right on the front row of a church and be far away in their heart. There are people who can sit on the back row of a church and be close in their heart. But I want to tell you this, saved people are singing people. They really are. What was the first response to the deliverance of the children of Israel? You know what they did? They said, let's get it. Hey, we got to write a song. we got to sing a song. They stopped. I mean, the, 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 the Egyptian army had barely been drowned, and they're already singing. It's almost sort of like dancing on somebody's casket, isn't it? I mean, they're, they're already singing. They, they just burst into song over their deliverance. And I want to tell you something. When somebody says, you know, I don't like, I don't like music, I don't like singing, and then, and, and then you start talking to them about, well, man, you know, there's so much music in the Scripture, and the Bible says we're, when you're filled with the Spirit, you speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and you, you read the psalms about how you to, to shout to the Lord and how you to praise the Lord and all these instruments that are involved in praising the Lord. You know, when you read about the psalms, I mean, a whole book of the Bible named after songs, and you read about how can you say that, that you don't like to sing. Now, not everybody sings as well as everybody else. And, and that's, that's for sure, you know, that, you know. That's really for sure. I don't think that makes any difference to the Lord. And the truth of the matter is, I know some people who, who couldn't carry a tune in a bucket and sing real loud in church. You know what? That's great. I love it. I mean, I think that is just absolutely fantastic. Just get in there and just do your best. I mean, you, you know, I mean, just sing. Save people love to sing. You say, well, it's a cultural thing. I want to tell you something. You go to any culture in this world, any ethnic group in this world, any race, you go to any country in this world, any civilization, and you're going to find if you meet somebody who knows Jesus Christ as their Savior, they've got some songs about it. Amen. I mean, saved people really sing. By the way, there's a difference between the music that saved people sing and the music the world sings. There's a difference between the music that saved people sings and the music that, that non-Christian religious people sing. I mean, you listen to some of that music sometimes, makes you, you know, I mean, it sounds like, a, well, I'm not going to tell you what it sounds like, but, but just it sounds awful. And, and, and they're wailing and they're singing about terrible things and it's just, it's so morose and so sad. But in the Christian faith, we have got something to sing about and saved people really love how to sing. And uh, there's a couple of reasons for this. Let me just, it says here, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel uh, unto the Lord. First of all, singing is, is just a response. It's a proper response to salvation. Music is just a wonderful response. It's my way of, of you know, don't you, when things are going great in your life, don't you sing? Don't you whistle? Don't, don't you at least make a joyful noise? I mean... Don't, don't you do something? I mean, um, uh, just don't you respond in some way when something great happens in your life? I know sometimes I meet people who sort of pride themselves in not being musical. And they say, you know, this is just not for me. That's a really sad thing for them. Because a proper response to salvation is, is, is singing. And by the way, the greatest music in the world, and I'm not saying this just because I'm a Christian, but the greatest music in the world is music written to celebrate the faith of believers in the Lord. The greatest music. Incredible. 
It's a proper response. But also, singing is not just a response. It's a way of remembering. It's a way of remembering. This, even today, you know, we get, we get together sometimes our family and we sing this chorus, you know, I will sing unto the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and rider thrown into the sea. I mean, it's just a way of remembering what? It's a way of remembering what God did at the, at the Red Sea. And uh, these great hymns of our faith, they're ways of remembering doctrine. Choruses, they're a way of responding to what the Lord is doing in our life. Hymns, a way of remembering as well as a way of responding. And so let me just, let me just say it again. Saved people sing. That's just a fact. Just write it down. You can't read the Bible very long without running across music. You just can't. It's just woven all through the Bible. And by the way, you know, when you get to heaven, this really bothers me. It's not preachers. It doesn't say in the Lamb, they stood before the Lamb and preached for... No, it just, they sang. They sang. It really bothers me that they're not going to be preached in heaven, but there's going to be a lot of singing in heaven. You know, that, well, don't clap. That bothers me. I said that bothers me. Because <laughs> I really like, I, you know, I really, I really, uh, you know, would like to preach a little bit in heaven, but I don't guess I get my chance. Um, sing, save people sing. I don't know how I can underscore that. Now, it doesn't mean that, again, that we all like the same kind of music. That's a matter of taste. I remember a guy saying to me one time, he said, I don't like these new, these new choruses. You know, he said there are five major chords, four minor chords, three modulations, two words, one hour. He said, I don't like that. Um, uh, and I said, well, what kind of like? He said, well, I like the old choruses we used to sing where you didn't sing things over and over again. Things like, do Lord, oh, do Lord, oh, do remember me. Do Lord, oh, do Lord, oh, you know, way beyond the blue. And, and really significant things like, all us girls are going to heaven, won't you guys come too? That, that was, those are the old choruses. Let me just, that was okay for then. It's okay for now if you want to sing it. Saved people love to sing. Write it down. Tattoo it on your heart. It is a fact, okay? Now, secondly, let's look at the focus of this. Saved people love to sing unto the Lord. Oh, there's a key. Saved people love to sing unto the Lord. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song, Unto the Lord. Uh, I'm not a fan of Bill Moyers. You know, you see him occasionally on OETA. Uh, because he is, he, he moved off in the liberal camp politically, so I have a real problem, you know, with anybody who is to the uh, uh, left of me. Um, but uh, uh, there was a time, you know, when, when uh, as a young uh, seminary graduate and in the uh, uh, position of working in the White House with Lyndon Johnson, where, he, you know, he, he really espoused his faith pretty consistently, and he may still, I don't know. But anyway, one time, uh, Lyndon Johnson, they were down at the, uh, uh, whatever the name of that ranch was, you know, the Lone Star Bar J-H slash W-J-K, and you don't have a lot of cows there because they can't survive the, the branding. Uh, but you, uh, uh, he, well, I've forgotten the name of that, that uh, ranch. But, but at any rate, um, he said, uh, Bill, he said, would you, would you lead us in prayer? And so Bill starts praying. And Lyndon Johnson says, speak up, we can't hear you, Bill. And he said, I wasn't talking to you, sir. <laughs> oh, wow, that's pretty good. Well, let me just say this. 
that the Lord is the one unto whom we sing. Okay? Here's what it says. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord. Now, this says to me two things. First of all, that the Lord should be the subject of our songs. You look at this, it's he has triumphed gloriously. He has shown his mighty arm. He has delivered us. He is great. Who is like unto you? Verse 11. Who is like you? Glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders. So, so he is the subject of our songs. But notice this also. He is to be the spectator of our music. I will sing unto the Lord. That is, when I come to worship, I, uh, I'm worshiping him. Every once in a while, I'll uh, visit with somebody who doesn't like the way a worship service is conducted or going on. They'll say, well, at our church, you know, I don't like the way they've done it. They did this or that or the other. You know, you see, the thing about it is they've missed the point. The worship service is worship. It's for the Lord. He's the spectator, you know. Now, worship does something for us. It really does something for us. We're to worship him. It gets our focus back where it ought to be. It shows us that, you know, we're, this is not a dead-end trip that we're on, that, we, that the Lord is really beyond that. But see, when we worship, he is a spectator. See, that's, that's what the problem is when you get together and you're worshiping the Lord and somebody's back there cleaning their fingernails and saying, well, you know, you know God's watching that. That's right. Not only that, he's not just looking at your fingernails, he's looking at your heart. That's why the Lord, the Bible says, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness or in, in holy array, arrayed in righteousness. And so, saved people love to sing. It's a natural response. It's a way to remember. Saved people love to sing unto the Lord. That's the focus. And uh, we do that because, you see, he is the spectator as well as the subject of our singing. All right, now we get down to fervency. Save people singing to the Lord with all their heart. Save people sing unto the Lord with all their heart. Look at verses 20 and 21 again. Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand. And all the women, boy, this, is, this, was, this was several hundred thousand ladies in this chorus. All the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances, and Miriam answered them, Sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has he thrown into the sea. I mean, they were into this thing. They were into this thing. Fervency. Fervency. Fervency is the way I show my appreciation to the Lord. Fervency is the way I show my adoration unto the Lord. You can see in this song of Moses both appreciation and adoration. So there is fervency. The fact, save people love to sing. The focus, save people love to sing unto the Lord. The fervency, save people love to sing unto the Lord with all their heart. As a means of appreciation and as a means of adoration. Now, I realize that we sing differently in different settings. If this place were just packed to the hilt and, 
and there was a huge choir up here and an orchestra, and we were singing something that you knew and you loved. You probably would sing different than when you sing on a Wednesday night when we're sort of, you know, there's several feet between us and the person next to us. And, and, uh, and yet there's something about this issue of fervency. Am I fervent? Do you know what the word fervent means in the New Testament sense? Where it says the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The word there in the Greek language of the New Testament means boiling. It's just a lot of, there's energy there. There's fervency to our singing. So here's what I'm trying to say here uh, about singing. Because we do a lot of singing here at First Southern. Singing is not something that we do as a matter of protocol before the preacher preaches. Singing is not just to prepare people for the preacher to preach. The worship service starts when the singing starts and ends with the last amen. It is all worship. And, and I'll be honest sometimes, I get gr I'm grieved. I really am grieved in my heart. Now, let me put this caveat. All of us have different responsibilities on Sunday morning. Some people have to do things. Some people come straight from work. Same way on Wednesday night, okay? But I grieve for you if you could be here when the singing starts and you're not. I grieve for you because you are missing out on something that is so neat. I wish everybody could be right up here on this platform. I mean, this, that's the hot spot right there. I mean, right there on that platform, right between the orchestra and you and the choir, and you get to watch the faces that James making at the choir while they're singing. And it, it you know, it's all, it's, it, this is, that, that is a great place. You know, I wish everybody could have the privilege of sitting up there, but we, we can't all do that because I'm not giving up my seat. Uh, for one reason, but um, but to just saunter in when the notion sort of gets you, and just to sort of show up and say, "Well, I did my thing, man. I got in there, and I got the word, and got out, got to give my offering." Um, you're you're missing something. You're missing something because save people. Love to sing unto their Lord with all our heart. Amen. Father, I pray thanking you for your word to us tonight about singing. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you will, even more than we already are, you will make this church into a singing church. Because, Lord, the more saved people we get in this church, the more singing people we'll have in this church. Lord, show us tonight that somehow our singing not the way we cut up in front of others, not, not that, but our singing unto you. Show us that in one way that is a barometer of our spiritual situation, a thermometer of our spiritual temperature. And Father, I pray that we would find ourselves just pouring out our hearts in praise and in worship and in music unto you. Lord, we cannot help but be 
taken by the fact that the first response of Moses and Israel after being delivered was not, okay, folks, let's, let's hurry up and get deeper into the desert here so they can't catch up with us. Okay, folks, let's, let's regroup here. Let's, let's get everything together. The first response of their leader and of the people was to break out in an incredible time of worship and praise, singing a song which we will hear sung one day in heaven, the song of Moses and of the Lamb. Thank you for reminding us of that, dear Lord. Now we come to invitation time, Lord, and I pray that your Holy Spirit will just seize upon this moment for us and that uh, you'll find us, Lord, having every need of our life met at the foot of your cross. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Would you keep your head bowed just for a moment? I know it's a Wednesday night crowd, but yet I know that on Wednesday night, every one of us has specific needs in our lives. You have need. I have need. And so this altar is open for you. Not just a singing church, but a praying church. In a few moments, we're going to stand. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. And here's what the invitation is all about. It's an opportunity to do what Jesus always asked people to do as an expression of faith, to express their faith. He would say, stretch out your hand or go show yourself to the priest or go do this or go do that. This is an opportunity for you to come to this altar as a response to what the Lord has spoken to your heart. Now, you may need simply to come and kneel at this altar and say, Lord, you're doing a work in my heart and I, I have a burden in my life and here it is. And just pour out your heart to the Lord. It may be that you need to talk with a counselor this evening. It could be that you're not a member of First Southern and the Lord is speaking to your heart about joining this church. That'd be great, wonderful time to make that decision right here on the eve of starlight. Uh, what an incredibly uh, great time this would be to make that decision. So I want to encourage you to come and just say to one of these counselors, look, I'm, we're coming, I'm coming to join this church. Could be that you don't know Jesus as your Savior. You say, you know, the truth of the matter is if saved people sing, I guess the lack of a song in my heart means I'm, I'm not saved. I remember Ralph telling me about a time in his moment, a particularly bleak moment, and when he woke up in the morning, he said, I still have my song. Saved people have a song. And it could be that you don't have a song because you're not saved. You've never met not just the great physician, but the great musician. And tonight your heart's desire is to have the abundant life and the eternal life that can only be yours when you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Well, if that's the case, I want to urge you, I want to encourage you to make your way to this altar and say, look, tonight I'm coming to trust in Jesus as my Savior. I really want to get it settled in my life that I'm saved. I would urge you to make that decision. If you've joined our church in recent weeks and we haven't had the privilege of introducing you to your church family, then I want to ask you to come and be seated down here at the front where it says seating for new members. But this is a time of worship and praise and a time that the altars should be open. Our prayer warriors, I'm going to ask them to come. Our counselors will be coming. Let's stand together, Father in heaven. I just pray now at this invitation time that we will respond to you. And Lord, if there's someone here who doesn't have a song in his heart or her heart, never having met Jesus, I pray they come to meet Jesus. If they don't have a song because they're away from Christ, 
I pray, Lord, that come back home to Jesus tonight. And I pray these things in